This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. And just for a walk. It's a beautiful day in Vancouver. It's uh, another rainy day. Um, I think it's five o'clock. Yeah, five o'clock in the morning. And uh, thanks for listening. So it's nice to know that there's uh, another person out there <laughs> who's possibly in the same uh, same woods, just different parts. Okay. So topic is thought space. And my initial idea was uh, the character that I'm working on right now, that they have these moments, say, where there's there's activity, but then there's this almost internal activity of uh, thinking about something and dwelling on it, worrying about stuff, and I, I just I just noticed myself sort of uh, massaging these uh, moments, these internal moments that d- define the uh, character. It, it sort of reveals their motivations and what's important to them. So I'm working on my stuff. I'm reading at least two books right now. Uh, one is very, let's see, one is very on the surface so far. I, I don't really get an interior uh, look at the character who's doing the narration. It's, it's a first person uh, situation, so it's, you know, I remember this and that. This is what they did from my perspective. Ah, oh, the chair, the office uh, furniture, free chair is still here, soaking up the liquid sunshine, as I've heard the rain here called, gets cold. So, there's something so tragic about that chair. <laughs> but also, this kind of, um, it's like a stray, it's like this, some kind of animal that's lost and alone, and it's been abandoned. Now I'm imagining an orphanage for, uh, abandoned chairs and office furniture, etc. Move on, Moss, get over it. Right. So thought space. Thought space. Uh, as I'm reading book five of Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix, uh, that's one thing that I've been paying attention to is how the emotions work. How it, it, it should be obvious, but that's something that I'm looking at right now. And I, I just notice it and go... Oh wow! You know, it's and to it's not, it's not so easy as, oh we're friends. Uh, there's this binary at work, of. You know, you you have your, the relationships that are important to you. But those are in conflict. So you know, you have your close friend. Uh, I think I'm just trying. I'm just going through all my you know, friendships, relationships, I think everything has this quality of conflict. And um, that there's this social contract at work. In in this particular scene that I'm working on, it's uh, a character who's waking up and they're reflecting on their current situation and it's 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 sort of the the setup 
to what's going to happen. Uh, things say we are or I'm introducing a couple characters through the thoughts of, of this character. Uh, I'm setting up, introducing the conflict that's going to happen. Uh, there's this struggle going on immediately between uh, wants and needs, or the character's flaw, however you want to define it. Uh, what's going on in their subconscious versus what's going on with their persona or their ego. Uh, it's all there. And it's the, the tip of the iceberg. It's also this moment of, oh, well, um, how do I, how do I also show that this character has redeeming qualities? That's part of it. Not so much right now. Right now it's just getting it done and cleaning it up. Uh, I'm not going to be really hammering away at it. I'm just having one of those moments where it's dark. So I'm, of course, seeing shadows everywhere. The, uh... And two, it's kind of like a twilight. The sky is not absolutely dark. It's overcast and lit up a little bit. Ah, right, so I'm seeing kind of shadows out of the corner of my eyes. It's Dementors! There's Dementors everywhere. Uh, Dementors are from Harry Potter. They're these sort of ghostly, ghoulish, uh, sucking the life out of everyone, the, the happiness. Um, not everyone, but they're just looking for people who are uh, trying to remember what they fed off of. It was happiness, but it had to do as well with uh, guilty people. And uh, back to maybe just riding off of that, and that's the sense of guilt that a character has. Like, what is it that they're wrestling with, and uh, how to reveal that? I, I, I noticed myself doing stages as well, that I broke up the chapter into these three stages. Um, initially riding off of this setup, development, and payoff within this chapter, that uh, emotionally it starts off uh, kind of hopeful, hoping for the best. But then, in, in this sort of act two of the chapter, that emotionally it turns into fear and a kind of dread that it's not going to work out. Um, even second-guessing oneself and, and doubting oneself. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then finally, uh, third act, the payoff, uh, breaking through. And in this case, it's, it's a success. But it also made sense when I was uh, working on the chapter, the beginning of the, the chapter, that this character wakes up and is having this introspective moment after a, after a good dream. And the character is thinking about things that are... How can I say it? Uh, it was this... It, it, it was like, say, the dream their reaction to the dream. It's like the dream you wake up from and go, it's so, it's an amazing dream. It's wonderful. It's something uh, beautiful, but the waking world contrasts it. And it's, it's sort of like an experience where you wake up and you go about your business, but you're, you're haunted by this uh, experience. And there's this push and pull. I think, too, that it's, uh, 
what I'm getting at with it is that it we it, it's been an experience of what the character needs and it's defining that and the flaw is just very painfully obvious and one of the responses was right away was what they what they needed to do ah it's it's tough because say there's these desires one has this character in particular they want to just drop everything and go or um they they want to say live their life they don't want to be uh so obligated and i just had the had that was it a twinge or a, a flinch of oh is that me and too obviously it's it's all me but there's this um the social conversation as well in a way it's all of us and that we we are bogged down by um these obligations even weird social obligations like what to do if someone is attempting to classify you in the sense of the class system and and say you are this type of person uh, or labeling and saying you know oh you're this type of person and often it's say the superiority trip of you know that, that you know, whoever's doing it and too I have to admit I do it to some degrees and it's a weird terrible thing it's like sitting there going where is this coming from where is this judgmental stuff coming from Uh, so my character, I, I reached the point in editing where I could pro, I could project, I could see ahead uh, the arc, the emotional arc of what's going on internally, and that uh, as I move through the chapter, that I've got this roadmap that they're heading off, and they're thinking, okay, I, you know. It's great. I'm going to go do this thing, but then they start to doubt themselves, you know, and then finally they uh, accomplish at least at least say breaking through and giving themselves the chance. It might not even work out uh, what they're where they're going, but at, at least you know it's giving the opportunity, and then we'll see. lovely Vancouver okay just as a just as an aside I one of the things that cropped up was this question of um, say research and I was in the middle of editing and suddenly it shifted gears and I, and I had questions about uh, the setting which is kind of an ice age setting. And so I was thinking, oh hey, uh, I'd, I'd remembered something else that was from a science fiction novel that I had gotten through uh, a couple, an older couple that are part of the local science fiction uh, convention community. Which uh it nobody knows what's going on i i suspect a small group of people the um uh, the president of the convention etc uh they they know what it is but it's not being um, reported which is uh pros and cons i'll just keep i'll just keep doing what i'm doing and Whatever happens, happens. So, so yeah. So I was I was researching, and it it was of two it was two things. Say I was I'm working on the emotional, the thought process going on for this character, allowing it, um, but then also allowing myself to to go off track a bit. And 
I'm still trusting. And I also, I also know that it's not the most um, productive. Uh, also, too, I'm allowing things... Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I've allowed a number of things. Like, there was this question of how this character is getting from the, uh, the setup to the payoff. So I was sitting there going, okay, I need some form of transportation. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's, it's almost like an insistence. And very subconscious. And so I I just started trying it out and embellishing some stuff. And at the same time going, you know, it it doesn't make sense. But it's just that it's not uh, the end of the editing process and there's still time to adjust Uh, also too it's something like say when everything is finalized that's the point where I have to make those decisions and going you know well that was very fun but you know it doesn't it doesn't fit so we're cut it out or save it or something like that this uh, vehicle that has popped up Another uh, thing that is happening is the tone. I've noticed, I already noticed that the tone had shifted. Uh, It was more middle grade, and now it's shifted to young adult. Um, Which is good, I think. And two, I like it. Uh, And I'm uh, I'm of two minds. I'm not sure exactly how to um, still contain, still capture the uh, levity. Because the, the first book had this comedy, levity, wordplay. And so I'm looking at it going, is, is, it, is that going to be lessened? Or say, with this more mature tone, is it something that is... Uh, Again, reading Harry Potter as it moves out of middle grade and into young adult. There is this balancing act going on uh, between the two. And once again, I'm not sure about uh, where... Like, say, it's not, it's not at the final draft stage. Uh, so, it's just giving myself lots of leeway. Back to the topic. Thought space. Uh, there's there's room. There's room for thought. But also that the thought makes sense. I saw one critique that was um, that people don't talk in their... Uh, when they're thinking, they don't talk. In my first book, I have a lot of thinking that is in italics and then things like um, that's a strange tree comma she thought period and then you know the thought is italicized Uh, whereas now there's this shift to I've just noticed that there's this shift to less of that (coughs) not all the time because I I made it a point for myself to be aware and it crops up. It's true, it's not all the time, but it is sometimes. And uh, people do talk to themselves sometimes. So actually voicing voicing their thoughts, um, kind of guiding themselves. I remember we had a guest this was a bunch of months ago and at one point I found myself talking to myself and it was this was in the kitchen sort of guiding myself it's like okay uh, now I'll do this and then that and and then I kept talking and saying uh, and I'm talking to myself and this is embarrassing uh, 
But it was sort of like I had to hear my voice in order to keep doing things. Because uh, it was sort of like the situation of standing there kind of, you know, a bit lost. And, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully the guest was amused and it wasn't, you know, uh, they're not running from the house and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so they were forgiving. Okay, thought space. Is it that middle grade, in a, we in a way that there's less, and then later there's more. I'm just thinking of myself in those two, two time periods. More as, say, just a human being rather than, you know, a normal kid. Because I don't, I'm not sure, I don't, you know, as far as the normality of my situation, but I do remember emotional states, and I think also that uh, the local writer Patrick Boulevard said, teenagers are angry, and I remember that, so this frustration, confusion, and I've seen kids earlier who are, like say, younger, younger kids, uh, from the terrible twos on upwards, who are fighting for autonomy. They, they want to uh, be able to do whatever they want. Even, say, when there's guidelines set up. They're always testing these boundaries and you know, trying to break the parents. And, uh, and yet, how much actual thought... Is there? I'm just thinking of my own experience, and that there does there didn't seem to be a lot of thought going on, and it was more just um, what is it called? Almost, like say for me, it was like being an animal. Even you know, just even a speaking animal, communicating, socializing, doing things. And then moving from that animal into sort of stepping carefully, all, that all of a sudden, in, instead of just this uh, desire to do things, all of a sudden, you know, one hits uh, puberty, and there's these sort of further complication. I remember going camping, and these were in the young teens days, my community would go camping, and I, re I remember uh, it was, it was this, say, tents, and then uh, I think I think we managed to all crowd into one big tent, and then the parents freaked out, because it was uh, co-ed, and we weren't thinking about that, uh, at least not to the degree, but the parents sort of escalated it and they had us stand in line and then told us that we can't do that. And, and two, seriously, nothing was happening. It was like sort of... <laughs> I'm sure if they didn't stop that kind of behavior, you know, that eventually it would have, you know, turned into something, but... There we were, right? And so we were divided up, and we went off to our uh, gender, gender-specific tents, genre-specific. Okay, thoughts, thoughts, and uh, once again, the thoughts have got to be relevant. There has to be a point to the thoughts. It's kind of t counter. Uh, counterintuitive, say, because, yeah, you sit down 
the beginner writer sits down, they they put down thoughts, right? They what's going on in the character's head, but it's more of an organic quality to it. We're kind of a- aping everything that we've read, and it's a very sort of self um, selfish, self conscious. It's say what we're curious about. And it's almost like driving around a town, but you don't really have a map. That said, I do know writers who are very um, outline-oriented. And I remember talking over Twitter with one writer who was freaked out by the experience. And uh, for them... uh, just, you know, exploring the town, driving around, that it was, you know, it was undisciplined, and it didn't advance anything. That's, that's how they took it. Right. So, thought... Getting, getting in the character's head, even at this stage, um, I've mentioned before that, that this process right now, it's uh, taking, taking from different stories uh, to put this together, because there's this commonality at work, which makes sense, because one guy has, has, has written them. So it's you know, returning to things that you know the writer is uh, f- that feels is important. Nice. We're about halfway, so let's head down to the other street. Okay. Thought. Uh, I can remember one manuscript where there wasn't a lot internally. There was a lot of plot happening, and there was some emotional stuff happening. Remember, there was a bus ride getting to a relative's house, and on the bus, uh, it was very... uh, Let's see how to describe it. It was... Wonderland-esque, like Alice in Wonderland, where there's confusion, uh, there's these characters who are making these confusions, confusing statements, uh, there's this element of threat, but at the same time, there's this, it's sort of like, say, clowns, if you're creeped out by clowns, or, or just say a situation where it's supposed to be one way. But then, you know, something else is going on. Say what's for what, for example. Say so just say with cultural expectations. It's, when people are supposed to be doing something one way, but they are doing it a different way. What would be an example of that? Etiquette, and it could even be etiquette. Say, there's many things that I haven't done. What's an example? I had a conversation recently with someone about uh, table setting and situations like, you know, salad forks, which for me, I, it was nice. It was, it was good to hear myself saying, I'm just going to eat. And I, I really don't have the, the time and energy for all of that. And that's great. It is, it is a little interesting to know and to, you know, follow those rules and everything. But I, I ultimately, I don't want to, I don't care. And if somebody is valuing that over a person, like if they're judging the behavior, the, you know, the mature me is not interested. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know them. We're, we're probably not going to have the conversations that are important. Instead, it's going to be, you know what is the what is the latest rule that you're supposed to follow and 
fashion, etc., etc. You know, this sort of empty and banal. That said, I do get sucked into that stuff, and I am interested in fashion. More the why of the fashion. Another another bit of research. Uh, the what I'm working on right now, the scene that I'm describing with the thought. It's it's in a, a civilization. Let's see if I can dance around specifics. It's in a civilization. Um, It's helpful for me to know why things are the way they are. <clears throat> and I just happened to be uh, talking with someone. They, they started to mention that uh, they were interested in this book called... I think it's Guns, Germs, and Steel, I think. Uh, which the basic notion, the basic idea of the, the book, non-fiction book, and it's talking about why Europe, uh, why Europe developed, uh, say, technologies uh, that advanced colonialism, science, etc., whereas um, other places uh, didn't. Right? And what what was it? And it was great too. The because I was I got the audio book for Guns, Germs, and Steel, and right away at the beginning, um, I was enamored because they described they were talking about I think it was going to Papua New Guinea or New Guinea, and. that uh, the people there, uh, when first encountered, that, you know, it seemed like they were living in the Stone Age, and that there's the, there was this racist, biased, it's like, oh, they don't have the, you know, the same uh, technology and science, and therefore it's a question of intelligence, and... But that, that, in the book, that that's being argued against. Saying no, right? Because you can introduce people to uh, concepts and uh, technology. And, you know, it's adopted. It's not about intelligence. So what is it? And so I'm just at the beginning of the book where they're, they're getting into what was it about Europe that was different from other places. <clears throat> and, let's see. Anyways, that's where it is. And two, I, I, apologies if I'm skewing it, that it, if it's not exactly accurate. But it's getting me to think about why this uh, civilization that my main character is in, uh, why it is the way it is and why it is accomplished or not accomplished certain things. Okay. The character's thoughts, writing about the character's thoughts almost immediately led me to their immediate, their immediate situation, uh, personal conflicts, Specifically in family. And then also external. That there's this external influence that is affecting the family. Uh, it would be along the lines of uh, politics. Say contemporary politics and a division within the family. Uh, the cliche Thanksgiving supper where you know people are pronouncing things, making um, observations, person and to personal stuff versus uh, other people's opinions, right? And once again on Twitter, uh, a writer over the holidays. It was uh, 
I think it was Christmas supper, and they were tweeting. They were in a room. Uh, I don't know exactly what room, but they were. They had left the uh, the family dynamic, and they were in this by themselves, tweeting about how upset they were, and how you know they, it was just. They were actually considering not going back next year. It was that bad. And it, it's this cliche thing, uh, but it's true. It's true. I've had my difficulties with, uh, or even just right now, I have my difficulty with my family and my community. But right away, I, I'm, I'm uh, going with this uh, character. I've got to stop doing that. Or I want to stop doing that. I want to stop, you know, saying, you know, this teenage kid. And, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, what would that situation be like? And how would, you know, first how I would respond, but also, you know, say, the side of myself. Uh, like, say, how would I respond? I have the opportunity to be thinking in a different way so I could explore that and, and go, oh, this is what it would be like. Right. So my main character, they wake up. Uh, they've had this amazing dream. They're upset because it's not real. And they know how, or they feel quite empty about how things are at the moment. And one of, one of my concerns is that in the thinking, there's this info dump. There's this exposition. And I'm looking at it going, for the moment, it's fine. Uh, later, much later, that say I would come in and I would gauge, uh, is it too much? Can this be done, you know, via uh, external, not external, but communicating with other characters, dialogue, behavior, that will reveal, spreading it out. Again, uh, Patrick Boulevard, he'd, he'd mentioned that. We were swapping uh, manuscripts and and I'd, I talked about the we talked about the uh, exposition and and uh, he'd he talked about how he'd uh, struggled with it because he wants to reveal stuff but too much is too much it's a weird thing because I've read so many stories that have exposition and once again, it's one of those things of it has a purpose and, you know, it works quite well. People are not horrified and throw the book across the room if there's uh, a page of, of info dumping. Harry Potter, for example, I was always impressed because I, I'm trying to think, definitely in the first, no, sorry, definitely in the second book onwards, there would be the reference to the previous book and what had happened. Like, sort of, just to get you up to speed if if you're just picking up this book for the first time. Which is a weird thing, because why would you pick up, you know, book five if you hadn't read book four, etc. Um, anyways, though, this is the pattern. And... Yeah, I, I, you know, book two, three, four, and now five, and it's a couple pages of exposition, right? It's, uh, but at the same time, it's couched in the thoughts of uh, the main protagonist point of view character. So it's not just like it's the narrator saying these things. Instead, it's through the experience of the main character 
and let's see. It's relevant to the main character. It's not off focus. It doesn't leave um, and, and go, uh, at least not too far. You know, it's, it's always in reach of the main character. And so it has this personal quality. Like say, uh, you know, Harry had always heard about dot dot dot. Uh, to Harry's you know, way of thinking. And so on and so forth. Right. So, uh, actually, I find it helpful reading. That's uh, an example of you know, why it's a good idea to read. Uh, part, part of me is not interested. It's a weird thing. Um, but I, 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 I notice it. And at the same time, I'm looking for things that... I can read. There's stuff that is, I'm, you know, I'm just, I just have trouble connecting with. And of course, it is possible to read anything, but uh, there's the question of. <laughs> I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you have a voracious appetite for, for reading. Yeah, I'm not sure where that's coming from. That might be. I don't know if it's, yeah, like maybe it's age, maybe it's like, say, something is a little off, as far as, say, um, concentrating. Uh, like, say, whereas I used to be, like, I could read all day and then, you know, finish a book in a day. You know, I'd stay up all night. Um, and then also thinking that writing has ruined reading for me because, which obviously is not the case. But I do find myself reading things and uh, as a writer, like I will go, oh, that's good. But from the sense of a, a writer, or say there's a grammar mistake or spelling mistake or something like that, um, which I'm sure everybody has uh, problems with, but the perspective is different. Um, I can feel that. I suspect that's what it is. And it, it, part of it is sort of how high is the bar raised? Uh, right, okay, so back to thought space. And we are moving into wrapping this up. Thought space. The reason to have thought is that it's this accessibility. We, we could be standing outside, but we've got access to um, the cerebral. We've got access to the thought. And that pulls us deeper into the experience that the main character is having. And adds, adds this layer of complexity. It's kind of a weird thing, too, because, say, you know, just being in a... As I'm saying this, I'm going, well, it's not so weird, because if you kind of... You know, remain objective and sort of take a step back as you're going about doing something. Say right now, I'm walking down a sidewalk uh, in the early morning, morning twilight, the rain. And if I take a step back, that... And say, be thinking about what I am thinking. <laughs> Which is like this double double layer but imagining myself as this other person the protagonist of my life uh, interesting but that say that gets closer 
to third person. Past tense. I'm not sure what it's saying that we that so much of fiction is in the past tense. Right. And then as I'm saying this, I'm remembering talking about storytelling and that it's say oral storytelling is obviously obviously it's not happening now. There's a kind of fairy tale quality to it, you know, once upon a time, you know, it in a galaxy far, far away. A, st- a story that I heard from a friend of a friend. Right. So the thoughts... So it makes sense that... It's uh, the window... It's the window to the world of, of the... Uh, of the story. Of this person's experience. Thinking versus feeling. Um, Feeling. It's such a weird conundrum because feeling is wired to to the biological and to the back when I was doing um, classes in university. What was it called? The, The drive to eroticize, for example or other drives that we're just naturally given that, uh, that shape us. You know, that... And two, they're sort of undefined, but they're there, and then we... Um, they get attached to things. Like, say, the definition of what is erotic, for example. Um, because, you know, there's... There's so many different um, avenues. Moss, what are you talking about? We should just move on. Thoughts. So I'm just, say, comparing thoughts to emotions and looking at the difference between them. That, say, thoughts, just to my thought, my, but anyways, thoughts, there's a linear quality to them. And I'm doing the... uh, left brain, right brain thing of the, is it, I think it's the right brain is creative, whereas the left brain is linear, logical, mathematics, uh, versus the um, arts on the other side. And, and of course, and too, I've mentioned this before, that it's, this is less, less true, less, um, you know, the brain does, is more complicated than that, and uh, mathematics can be creative. Uh, my uncle is quite into mathematics, and uh, takes, you know, great delight uh, in, in it. That it's sort of like, you know, these games, uh, it, it seems like he's, he's treating it like that. Uh, uh, complex, and yet, you know, there's this beauty to it. And uh, the arts, creativity. Uh, writing a novel, for example. You know, yes, it's creative, but it's also loaded with tools, techniques, uh, uh, styles, ways of doing things. Right. Back to thoughts and thinking. One avenue that I'm at is that the unreliable narrator, for example, right, that we have access to a point of view, but that it's not necessarily uh, a truthful one. 
or, say, uh, one's perspective. But the character, the character's perspective, is uh, biased. And, and two, what a weird thing to be experiencing something that is uh, against our nature, against, or yeah. And I'm just thinking of say, you know, the 99.9 percent who are living by a certain code um, as best we can. Say things that most human beings will agree upon. But that say we're getting that that point zero one percent, and we're getting this um, alternative. We're getting this uh, other side of the equation. Or what about say someone who who lies constantly, and I'm just thinking say, redeeming qualities, and that this character is not, uh, it's almost like the, the reason to follow this person is to what, is it, are we going to see their downfall? What's going to happen to this person as they, uh, is this, the web of lies gets harder and harder to untangle and to conceal, you know, say, you know, telling two lies, and then the people who have been told the lies get together and compare notes. Uh, so it shows us the internal rationale for behavior. Say, if we just saw it on the outside, we might not understand. It might even uh, complicate the behavior. I'm just thinking of, say, uh, people who we all know, and too, we see on the news, we see people who hold, they're making these arguments. They believe something that is contrary. I like, too, that it doesn't matter which political side you're on, it, it goes for both sides. And the confusion of why don't these rational, you know, they seem rational, but they're, they're involved in something irrational, and why... Why is that? And then through exploring the thoughts of these characters that we can, we can find out what it is, what's going on. Ooh, it's getting windy. It's, the wind is picking up. I saw a strange flag the other day. Like I saw two flags, and it was... One was the national flag, and then the other was the provincial flag. And then the third flag, though, I, I was like, wait a second. I don't recognize that flag. And it's probably a civic flag. It's probably the city, but... Yeah, I was just standing there for a moment going, what's that? It's such a weird thing that it's probably always been there. And this is the first time that I've... <laughs> asking just get so used to it right oh and two maybe this is a new flag maybe they've changed it up okay it's the the flag of the alien overlords okay so thoughts we move into the last minutes here before the UFOs take over. So what's the takeaway? A, a big one for me is to allow the characters to breathe, to give them that bit of reality, um, allow them to talk, and through the thinking, to reveal... Uh, what's important to them. So for the character I'm dealing with, it's it's about the opportunity for insight into uh, what's important to them. Uh, what drives them? 
because in each scene, that's a question, is motivation. What's my character's motivation? Very much like an actor. And they're looking for the, the reason. And, but also, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, they'll practice with others to find out uh, how they're going to be I remember this strange, for, for me it was strange, it was learning about James Dean, and I think it was, and he was an actor in the 50s, uh, 50s, 60s, anyways, Hollywood, uh, and a two, I think he was a young actor at that time, and then he did this thing to an older actor where... I sort of went, well, why is he doing this? He wanted authenticity, and he antagonized the, the actor playing his father. And it was, it, it, I remember, it was something along the lines of, you know, I've got to make him hate me. And, and, and also that this bewildered the older actor and shaped the performance. So if you ever see that performance, there's this legitimate, the legitimacy between the, these two actors. Perhaps though, perhaps, I'd like to think though, that the older actor knew this, that they had this sense. Though in what I, it was, I think it was in a documentary, and it, it was talking about, uh, it, it on one, on one hand, it seemed very manipulative, but on the other hand, it made sense. Uh, especially, the way it was couched was, couched was that uh, this older actor wasn't, wasn't into it. It was sort of like, you know, um, not a movie that they saw as uh, beneficial to their career. So James Dean was... Uh, um, antagonizing them, uh, you know, to get to get a rise out of them, um, which which worked. Or I <laughs> did it, but I'm I'm just thinking, say, of of thoughts and of the of the complexity of of what's being done. Right. Thoughts. Takeaways. Last words about the thought space. Well, rewriting, drafting, however you want to call it, editing, you know, doing it multiple times, that, you know, going over and over the manuscript, that creates opportunities for insight. Number one. Um, so even say a beginner, that if you're allowing that room, that space, um, to experience the inner workings of the character, uh, yeah. So one doesn't have to be uh, a superior wordsmith, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that takes uh, time and patience, which I don't know about you, but I do not have. Um, and yet here I am, you know, committing sabotage. You know, was it for the betterment of humanity? Right. Thought space. Good stuff about thought space. I'm thinking that especially with what I'm reading right now, um, friendship, uh, the value of having community that, or say, um, but also the flip side that we say see through a character's thoughts. A person, it's so interesting because a person might be brutally, like bitterly angry, upset, and yet they put on these they have to sort of appear 
that everything is okay, while inside they're just being eaten away. Uh, the job that grinds one down. Um, uh, relationships that I know about that are uh, falling apart, and you know that these people have put on this sort of the mask, the brave face, you know, hoping that things turn around, and and reaching a point where, you know, <laughs> pushing the button, the red button, it's just it's over. Uh, you know, and two, are they, are we, are we going to find that perfect, beautiful thing out there, or is it within ourselves? Uh, you know, thank you very much, uh, culture slash society. Okay, thoughts. Is let's see how much time do I have left. Oh, we're done. <laughs> do I have a last? Do I have a last thought about this? Just that. It, just that it's got to be good from one's own point of view. That it's got to make sense. That you know, say as as reading through, working on it, but also later reading through it again that it resonates and, and say, you know, that I can feel something, you know, I'm, I'm connecting with this character and this situation. You might not agree with it, which is interesting, but that they are real uh, via that experience. All right. Thanks for listening and get back to that word processor.